If you're looking for a fling, or a lifetime, or a well I'm free Friday anyway kind of thing, find it on Bumble. Fall in love with dating. Welcome to Finger Food, empowered by Bumble. I'm your maitre d' Stacey O, and I'm here to serve you intimate conversations around sexuality and pleasure. On the menu is a selection of heart-to-hearts with people who vulnerably share their stories, insights, and perspectives. This podcast is about sex and so much more. We explore connection, letting go of judgment, and accepting ourselves exactly as we are. Let's dine. In this episode, I chat to Ashley Williams. Ash is a creative, model, and actor. She's a pleasure activist, party girl, and self-proclaimed bad bitch. I can confirm after speaking with her that this is 100% accurate. In this intimate conversation, Ash talks about her experiences with stripping and OnlyFans. She vulnerably shares her journey from not feeling sexual at all in her younger years to feeling incredibly expressive, sexual, and sensual in the past few years. She shares how listening to herself, following spontaneity, and letting go of what other people think of her have been the keys to unlocking her sexual liberation. It's great to have you here at the table. Let's get started. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, Ash. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I've been waiting for this moment for so long. I'm like, finally, I've got her in the studio. (laughs) And I'm hard to pin down. You're a hard woman to pin down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's just get straight into it. So first and foremost, where are you from and what's your family background? So I am originally from South Africa. Both my parents are South African. And I moved to New Zealand when I was eight years old, so a very long time ago. Mm. And I lived in Wellington, so I'm technically from Wellington, I guess, and now I live in Auckland. Mm, Beautiful. And what are your pronouns and what do they mean to you? My pronouns are she, her, and I haven't really had a lot of connection or attachment to my pronouns, I guess. I don't think that that's been part of any big journey I've had so Mm. to me they just mean 
exactly what they are, my pronouns. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm also aware I just like, I was like, you're a hard woman to pin down. And that was even before I'd asked you, like, what are your pronouns? And I was like, oh, shit. I hope she says she hurt. <laughs> no, there was no flinching. So Okay, so Okay, good. We're in the clear. <laughs> okay, cool. And what about in this moment, what is your sexual orientation and what does that mean to you? Well, A few months ago, I actually just thought to myself, I don't think I'm bisexual because I've I've always been like, yeah, I'm bi. I Mm. like men and I like women. Mm. But I've just come to terms with the fact that I just like people. I Mm. just, I'm attracted to energy. I'm attracted to someone's like aura and the energy that they give off. I really don't care what's between your legs, what Mm. what gender you are, what you identify as. I don't, I don't care. I just Mm. like people. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'm pansexual. (laughs) <laughs> love that. Yes. I love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And so obviously we've had a conversation prior to this and I've been informed that you do, you're a woman of many mysteries and many talents. Oh, I love to dip my finger you in You are dipping your yeah. fingers. <laughs> and so you're an actress. Yes. You've been on OnlyFans. Yes. You've stripped. You've mm-hmm. done all the things. Modeling. Don't forget modeling. the modeling. Wow. I love the camera. Yes. Okay. So firstly, I'm super intrigued. How did you get into erotic dancing or stripping? So when I went to drama school, I was 19 years old. I just got into drama school. My mindset was, I don't want to work. I just want to focus on acting. So I just don't want to be distracted by a job, like any weekend job. So I just started going to drama school, working working hard. (laughs) And then about... Three months in, I like blew so much of my savings and I was like, oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be not working while studying full time. Mm. So I sort of was looking for a job and at the time no one was like hiring and I just like started going on trade me looking for jobs and I saw that a strip club in Wellington called Mermaids was hiring and but they were looking for bar stuff and I was like, oh okay, yeah, I've never bartended before, but, like, let me just give it a go. And so I applied, and I got a call the next day, and they just asked me to come in for an interview. And I went in, and they were pretty much like, have you ever waitressed or um, bartended before? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, no, but I'm pretty, and I've got massive tits. <laughs> um, and he was pretty much like to me, I mean, I didn't actually say that, but... <laughs> I just was like, no, I haven't. (laughs) And he was like, okay, all good. You start this day. And I was like, what? That was easy. Okay, cool. I guess I'm a waitress. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And so I worked there every Friday and Saturday night. and And I waitressed for three weeks. And every single shift I was doing there pretty much all the staff were like to me, you're so pretty. You should start dancing. Mm. Like you'd make so much money. And I was like, nah, I don't really need, I have a job now. I just wanted like extra money to save and, you know, to live my life. I just wasn't really like attracted to the idea. I didn't feel the need to, Mm. but they just kept, they kept asking me and being like, just, you honestly should give it a go. Just give it a go. And I was like, okay, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. I'm pretty comfortable with my body. Mm. I really like dancing and I am quite a sensual person already. Mm. So they said to me I could give it a go for one shift and if I didn't like it, I could go back to waitressing. And I was like, all right, sounds like a good-ass deal. I'll do it. (laughs) 
And so I gave it a go for one night and I made a lot of money and I thought, okay, I'll do it one more time just to see if <laughs> if it's not a one-time thing. And I did it again and then I made even more money. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, oh, ooh, let's see, $1,500 compared to like $180 a week. <laughs> Oh, I don't know which hmm. one's giving a bit more. <laughs> which one do I choose? Yeah, I was like, oh, I could make $1,500 in a weekend or I can make 180 I think I'm going to go with the $1,500. Mm, so, yes. yeah, I guess the money was very appealing and it, it wasn't that hard for me. Like, I just, it, it felt very easy. Like, people were asking if I was nervous and I was like, no, not really. I'm not really that nervous. I just, I know how to dance and I like to move my body and I like to be looked at. So mm. it didn't feel like a difficult thing to be on stage. But that's pretty much how I got into it. I kind of just fell into the stripping world wow. by looking for a job because I needed money, waitressing, and then being like, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, but the, I think the most interesting thing when I started stripping was when I was waitressing, I would always look at the dancers and I think I just saw, like, the female body in, like, such a new light, mm. like, a new way instead of, like, very sexual, which is so interesting because the environment is so sexual. But you're there looking at these women feeling empowered mm. and instead of sexualizing the way that they're moving or their bodies, you're like, this is phenomenal mm, like mm -hmm. <laughs> the female body is phenomenal yeah you're just looking at it and it's such a different light and it's like it was so empowering and sometimes I would just be like in awe like there mm. in like a trance like watching these women just be amazing mm. and hone in on their sexual power and I think when I started dancing like when I actually started to it felt so good that I actually never paid attention to any of the people in the club. Mm. So the club I was dancing in, there was mirrors all around me, all around the the club. So when you were on stage, if you looked to your eye line, you would just be sit looking at yourself. Mm. So I would just, I just kept, I would always just watched myself dancing. That's how I sort of like fell in love with myself. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> oh, I've got, I've literally got shivers up my whole body as you were expressing this. Like, yeah. I, I actually feel kind of emotional because I just think that's <laughs> such a beautiful, I don't know, insight to like really just like fucking acknowledge and be in awe of the feminine form and the female was... body and like seeing it being expressed, like sexuality being expressed and movement and expression and like openness in the body and it just being like safe to express that way. And it's just, it was honestly so chef's beautiful. Kiss. It was chef's kiss. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yummy. It's even more beautiful when you're in you know that sexualized environment mm. you know you can feel the sexualization <laughs> in the room yeah it's in the air but to separate what's actually happening on stage from the sexual nature is like something completely different mm. to not just look at you know titties and like someone's bum and coochie whatever but to like just see the female form mm. move in all these different ways and see these people on stage feeling mm. empowered and honing in on you know their on their feminine power it was just I was like I wow. am in awe wow <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Totally. Because I feel like there's so much conditioning around stripping being this objectification or objectifying a woman's body. But actually, it's like, I mean, so many women I've spoken to that have been erotic dancers and and the kind of realms that I've worked in and courses Mm. I've done. It's all come from a place of deep empowerment and like feeling like they just want to move and express. And I just feel like, as you say that, I can really feel that energy coming through. Totally. And that's the thing I think that really grew for me when I first started. I always thought I was really comfortable with my body and, you know, knew how to dance in that sort of way. But it wasn't until I actually started stripping and watching myself, like, Mm. Once a week, you know, I was watching myself move and feel sexy and just feel my body. And mm. I just, it was like a deepening of my sexual power. Wow. And every single time I was on stage, I would, mo- majority of the time there were men in there and I would just never be looking at the men. I would always be looking at myself. You're like, mm-hmm. moving. Yeah, I'd be like, is that me? <laughs> Who oh my God. Is that? <laughs> is that me? What? I mean, <laughs> I'm a bad bitch. Yeah. It really transformed the way I thought of myself and the way Mm. I thought of my body. And stripping was like a massive, massive part in terms of my sexual liberation journey. Mm. Without me even knowing, it it played such such a big part in it. Mm. You know, the ups and the downs of the entire thing was just so... It taught me a lot. Mm. It taught me a lot. And I don't want to glorify the whole entire... The whole thing of stripping too much because Mm. it is really hard at the same time Mm. and I don't think it's a thing for everyone I Mm. think you have to have a lot of mental awareness and also like you really need to know how to like set boundaries and Mm. for me when I first started I had all that growth at the beginning in terms of my sexuality and my body and my empowerment but at the same time I also no one was there to tell me how to actually set proper boundaries with the people I was interacting with Mm. Like the men I was interacting with majority of the time. Um, so there were a lot of times where, you know, I, I let things slide or like I didn't know how to react to things because there was this really weird line of like trying to make money, but also, you know, saying no and setting boundaries mm. with the people there who, um, you know, making this transaction with you. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't have anyone to teach me that or talk to me about that. Or I also didn't seek it out because I just thought like, okay, I've been thrown into this thing. I just have to do it now. Wow. Yeah. So the first eight months of me doing it was actually like so exciting because I was making all this money and I was doing really well. And I was also like falling in love with my body and myself. Mm. But I was also taking an emotional toll on myself with all my all these boundaries being crossed that I didn't know how to set Mm. properly. Mm. Yeah, so it got to the point that after those eight months, I actually had to stop because it started affecting my everyday life. Mm. And I'd also gotten to a point where I felt like I'd made enough money and I was like, this has done something really great for me, but I it's now affecting me and my personal life. So I think I needed to like stop for a bit. So I stopped mm. for a whole year after that. Mm. And then once I felt like I was mentally ready again, I started doing it again. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. So was there no one there at the club that would mentor you or any of the women that were had been there for a while or like, I don't know, the, the management team, did they not talk you through boundaries or? It's not really classed as boundaries. They more so say these are the rules of the club. Mm-hmm. 
these are our rules that, you know, you follow. Mm-hmm. But I think also the type of club I was in, I would speak to the girls and they'd be like, these girls break the rules anyway. Okay. It's like there's no cameras in the lap dance room. So mm-hmm. it's like nothing can be seen in there anyway. And management is sometimes lenient with things and mm-hmm. they'll turn a blind eye if it's making them money. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these yeah. things that sort of happen in the club that aren't strict enough. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's, it, because it's this sort of wishy washy rule system, it can make it really like dangerous for other girls, mm-hmm. which is a conversation I actually had with a lot of the girls there. It can make it dangerous for other girls because if someone comes into the club and one girl is saying, no, that's not allowed, and this customer is like, but one girl did it for me before, mm. then it's, you know, it you you get to this kind of wall where you're like, ah, oh, someone's one, breaking the rules or letting them do something that I don't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. So you're having to make those decisions on your own as opposed to exactly the management it being really clear, there being clarity around it. It's like, oh, okay, now yes. I need to decide what is actually within my own boundary. Yes. So there was, yeah, so there'd be things that like, you know, you'd feel comfortable with and things that other girls wouldn't. Totally. And sometimes I had conversations like that with some of the girls, like they'll be like, you make the rules, you do whatever is comfortable for you. Mm. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. But then you get kind of met with the customer at that, I guess, boundary intersection. Yeah. And it can make it really awkward, especially Mm. if you've never really done, you've never really set those boundaries in the first place or like been taught how to or gotten tips or tricks or something on how to be like, this is how you set the boundary, but also continue making the money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine what that would be like to sort of navigate that. Yeah. And know your edges. Then once you've pushed over your edges, you can feel that. Like like you were saying, you had to take that year off because I assume, I'm speaking from my own experience, when I know I've gone over a boundary or gone mm. over one of my edges, I can feel that and it's like draining of your energy. And then you're like, okay, I am clear about my boundaries now, but I didn't know that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's like you've actually got to, I mean, you don't have to, but that's how you kind of learn that that's a big boundary for yeah. you. Yeah, you like, oh, that's You're a no. Like, yeah. My body says no, <laughs> yeah. actually. And actually, the body keeps the score. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually reading that <laughs> so right now. I. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God, period. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's Whoa. exactly how that actually happened. You know, mm. like, I'd be in the club and they would maybe, like, break some sort of boundary for me. And I think there was a point where I was actually just really scared of disappointing like the customer or not making the money from the person or them complaining about me that I actually wouldn't say anything in the moment. Mm. This is when I first started. Like I wouldn't say anything in the moment, but I would mentally know I'm like, that's a boundary. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a no from me. <laughs> not today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'd mentally note that that boundary has been crossed, but sometimes I, I would actually feel too uncomfortable to say it to the person. Yeah. Because there is this, yeah, there's this transactional thing where you're like, how do I make this clear Mm. that you can't do that to me Mm. or I don't want you to do that to me, but also keep it sexy. Yeah. (laughs) Keep it sexy. So be cute. (laughs) Be cute about my boundaries. I'm setting a boundary, but I'm still really, really hot. And my tits are out. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still your biggest fantasy. Yes. That's so, yeah, wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. And I think as the years went on, you you do really, you know, I've been stripping now for on and off for six years in total. Mm. 
I would say all up together it's been three years, but mm-hmm. it's just been so on and off because I'll take a break and I'll go overseas and, you know, I'll be a bad bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a full-time job. Yeah, that is a full-time <laughs> job, let me tell you. It is hard out here for a baddie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've been doing it for a while and, you know, I've learned a lot about how to set set boundaries properly and how to... I've just learned a lot about how the transaction can only go so far if it's affecting you in a certain way. Mm. No money is worth your boundaries being crossed because mm-hmm. in the long run, mentally, it's going to affect you way more. Mm. And that is the thing I learned after those eight months. After coming back to stripping, mm. I was like, yeah, the money is great, but it's going to come. Mm. It's going to come if I want it to come. But there's just, there's no amount of money is worth you putting your mental health at risk for these stupid people that break these boundaries that come mm. to the club. Mm. There's just, that is like one of the biggest things I learned. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And then as the years went on, I just, I guess, became a, a lot more strict with what I allowed, what I let people say and do to me, Ex- Etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you feel like you're in a place now with your stripping where you feel like you're still coming up across those moments of feeling like your boundaries are being crossed? Or do you feel like you have the communication skills now or like the you've got it on lockdown after six years of doing it, knowing what to do in those circumstances? I think it comes and goes for me personally, but majority of the time I do have it on lock. Mm. It's just certain situations I think sometimes it can be a bit hard or a mm. bit confusing or I can be a, I can question how I'm going to go about setting them or mm-hmm. having the conversation and it might take a little bit longer but yeah I would say I'm I'm way better at it mm. way better I think it's also because it comes to me every single shift I'm working mm. you know mm. I'll have comments I'll have inappropriate things I'll I'll be unconsensually touched or groped or whatever, you know, like there's so many boundaries that get crossed in a strip club Mm, mm. because people come in there thinking that the environment is already so sexualized and then they actually just forget that you're a person. Mm. That's the very interesting thing about a strip club. People Mm. come in there and forget that you're a person Wow, because the environment is so sexual. Mm. They think, oh, okay, I'm in the sexualized environment. This person is sexual and they're here to give me sex or Mm. sexual things. I can do what I want. Mm. But it's like consent just goes out the window. Wow. It just goes out the door. They walk in, consent's out the door. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's it's actually, it's crazy. It's crazy how that works. Mm. It's almost like there should be a list of agreements before people walk into strip clubs of like what is allowed and what's not allowed. And like actually like they have to go through like a consent process before they enter the door. Honestly, it would be amazing. Mm. Like, they do get told certain things, but they don't get told about about actually just how to not be a dick in there mm. or, like, how to be a normal, nice person. Yeah. And there's been one strip club that I've gone to. It's not an actual club, but I've, there's been one strip stripping experience I've gone to and actually been in mm. that was... Honestly, it just fucking takes the cake for all stripping. <laughs> wow. And that was, um, have you heard of Body House? No. So there's there's this event called Body House mm-hmm. that's on here in Auckland. And it's happened twice because of, I guess, funds and COVID restrictions mm-hmm. and whatnot. And the first time it was put on, 
they let people in in groups of maybe 10 or 15 and you are held before you go in and they give you a sticker to put over your phone so you can't take photos mm. and they they explain like stripping etiquette like strip club etiquette to you amazing like before you go in amazing and it's because it's put on by people who have stripped yes it's been it's been put on by the right people. Mm. <laughs> so they explain everything to you and they're like, you don't do this. Do not do this. You need to be doing this. Mm. You know, like it's all the rules, the guidelines of of being in the strip club, mm. not just what not to do if you don't want to get kicked out. Because yeah. essentially that's what they tell you in, in a normal strip club. They'll tell you rules of the club itself on what not to do if you don't want to leave. Mm. But the difference is like the rules with Body House is like, don't do these things to the dancers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is that's, the difference. That's amazing. Yeah. That's how it literally should be in every strip club yeah. that has ever existed. I know. I know. And I love I, the idea of the strippers like putting on that from a place of like their own experience and understanding and empowerment. It like was amazing. I like, reckon there should be strip clubs owned by the strippers themselves. I or know. like I know. Women or... If only. Yeah. <laughs> but a dream. It's a but a dream. <laughs> yeah. But it was amazing. And I went to it being like, I need to be involved in this. I simply must be on that stage. Yeah. And I contacted them straight away. And then I was in the next one. Mm. And it was just an amazing experience. Wow. It's, it was phenomenal. Because like everyone in the room is cheering for you. They're all respectful. Mm. They're throwing money on stage. Ah. And you're like, this is why I do it. I oh do it gosh. because I'm... I'm here to I'm here to feel my sexual mm. female femme power yes. and for you to all cheer me on <laughs> while yes. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm here to be a bad bitch. <laughs> Guys, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, so it, that was one of the most amazing experiences. <sighs> and I wish every club was like that. Oh my god, I would love to come to one of those events. I honestly hope they put it on again, mm. but I think you know the way everything's going. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> amazing, 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 amazing. Um, just one more note on that that I really love is that, like, one of the kind of practices that I've learned and um, and a lot of the sexuality trainings I've done is to actually literally look in the mirror and, like, dance in front of yourself and just, like, look at yourself in the eyes and, like, I fuck the shit out of yourself and literally like love up on yourself. Like it's, that is like a required exercise and all these things that I've done. And I'm like, that's so amazing. It is. As you say that, it's, like every time you fall, look in the mirror, you fall in love with, with, with yourself more and more and your sexuality and your like essence as a woman, you know? I think the one of the most amazing things as well about doing that is you see your body in such different ways mm. compared to just looking at the physical things you want to change oh totally you know like, well, that's what we're taught to do it's yeah like, ew i've got pimples on my face or my hair's too thin or whatever it is that's those are my faces by the way <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> but like everyone is like oh i'm too fat or i'm too this or whatever and it's like what about if we looked in the mirror and, like, saw all the beauty? Exactly. I think that was one of the most amazing things. And, you know, I guess I was lucky enough to do it in that environment where I was being looked at and mm. bored. <laughs> mm. But 
even in saying that, you know, all you really need to do is like turn the lights low, put on your favorite sexual song mm. that makes you want to get drunk and nasty, mm. you know, and just put on yes. like some really cute outfit and just watch yourself be amazing. Mm. And, you know, just practice like saying five five positive things about mm. the way your body's moving. Mm. You don't have to say it out loud. You could just think it. You could just be like, look how good my ass looks right now. Oh. Look how good this little hip dip is. Look at, look at my titty shake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like all you have to do is think these like amazing things and, mm. and change the way your, you know, brain is thinking about these things in a negative way. You know, like all the mm. curves, all the little dimples, all the scratches, scars, all of it. It's like, yeah. There's nothing there's nothing good about thinking negatively about mm. yourself at all. It's not mm. going to do anything good for your brain. Mm. So you might as well change them into positive thoughts. Oh, I mean, you know? I mean, you might as well yeah. look at yourself in the mirror, dance and be like that's a bad bitch. Oh, <laughs> that right there <laughs> is a bad bitch. <laughs> Interrupting this delicious conversation with an important announcement. It's no secret that I hadn't had an orgasm until the ripe old age of 26. And it's also no secret that the first time I ever had one was by myself, with a vibrator. It's my honour to introduce you to the PowerPlay by herself. The PowerPlay clitoral stimulator uses air technology to exclusively stimulate your clitoris. Yummy. Its sleek design fits right in the palm of your hand, whilst the smooth silicon body is soft to the touch. The power play is whisper quiet, so no need to worry about your flatties or your partner. Splash proof, get it in the bath, honeys. And comes with five pulsation settings, giving you complete control at your fingertips. You can purchase the power play now at herselfnz.co.nz and enjoy an exclusive 20% off discount for all finger food listeners. Just enter finger food at the checkout. Trust me, loves, you won't regret it. Okay, so is it from the stripping that you kind of stemmed into the OnlyFans world? Or when did that begin for you? And what does that look like for you now? I think OnlyFans came a lot later. Mm -hmm. So I stripped from when I was 19, did that for eight months, took about a year off, continued again. I was like 21. Hmm. And then I did it for two years, pretty, pretty much two years straight with you know, some holidays and stuff in between with the money I was, with the shmoney I was making. <laughs> um, and, and then I continued out of drama school, kept dancing. Like, it was just, like, a really good way to save and make money. And then I didn't actually start or make an OnlyFans until I moved to Auckland. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't even know when that was. I think I did it last year in... October or November. Mm. So it's pretty recent. Yeah. And I didn't do it for long. Okay. <laughs> I only did it for about two months. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so for those listening, could you just quickly give like a quick rundown of what OnlyFans is? Yes, so OnlyFans is a platform for people to upload content. Mm -hmm. And whether that's sexual or not, um, it's just a platform for you to upload content and people can pay you on it. So they mm -hmm. pay you to subscribe to your account. Mm -hmm. And then once you're subscribed, you upload the type of content you want to put up and they 
pretty much buy things from, like, buy the content from you. Mm -hmm. And anything goes. And anything sort of goes. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more rules now uh, in terms of, actually, I don't know anymore because it's been so long for me, but at Mm. the time there was a lot of rules coming out about it. And But, yeah, a lot of sex workers use OnlyFans Mm. as a platform to upload sexual content. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a great way for them to make money because people subscribe and then they buy, you know, titty pics, mm-hmm. <laughs> videos, yeah. all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, that these people who have an account are making. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like home style, fun, sexy vibes. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And so you were creating content for that for just two months. Yeah, no pretty more. much pretty much for two months a bit more consistently and then a little bit after that I really gave up and I'd mm-hmm. go on maybe yeah. once a month and do like one thing and then be like uh, okay I'm done yeah <laughs> content creation is exhausting it's so <laughs> exhausting yeah and I think for me so when I first moved to Auckland it was very similar again people were like OnlyFans was becoming a thing and people were messaging me being like, do you have an OnlyFans? Do you have an OnlyFans? And I was like, I could be making hella bag off OnlyFans. Everyone yes. wants to see my titties. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and that was sort of happening for a while, for, for a long while. People mm-hmm. were asking me if I had OnlyFans. And a lot of friends were saying, you should make one. You'd make lots of money. <laughs> I'm obviously easily persuaded. <laughs> I just feel like there's little cues from the universe. You're like, okay, yes. I do that now. <laughs> yeah, the universe is obviously telling me to get my tits obviously, out. Obviously, I need to get an OnlyFans account immediately. Exactly. If everyone was telling me that, I think I'd be doing it <laughs> immediately. So, yeah, I was being told that I should make one, and I was yes. like, okay, the idea is being fed in my head. I'm easily persuaded I'm going to do it. And before I decided to do it, I wasn't that into the idea because I, because of acting mm-hmm. I was really afraid of anything I'd upload getting leaky honored mm, <laughs> you know yeah. being leaked yeah so buddy sorry I just burped um yeah so I was really nervous about that aspect mm-hmm. so even though I was tossing up the idea I also wasn't that interested because I was just very scared Mm. so I tossed up for a really long time and then I just finally randomly decided to do it I think I was having one of those I don't give a fuck anymore days you know those days I know those days where you're just like oh you know what I don't really give a fuck anymore whatever happens happens yeah (laughs) yes sometimes I'll have those and in my mind at the time I was thinking you know what any industry that doesn't want to take Anybody that does sex work is not an industry I want to be in. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, so that was going through my mind at the time when I was having this I don't give a fuck moment. Mm. And so I just decided to make one. And I had such a good response from subscribers and whatnot. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. I'm about to make hella fucking bang. (laughs) And then (laughs) it was really fun for actually like maybe two weeks for me. Good two weeks. It was really fun because I love taking nudes. I love making dance videos. I love <laughs> being looked at absolutely. and making money from it. Mm. It's absolutely lit. What a mm. great way to make money. Dream. Yeah. And then I guess with my busy lifestyle, with like auditioning, with the job I had, 
literally everything in between, you know, mm. keeping up with social life, trying to go to the gym, literally trying to live my life. Yes. <laughs> it became really hard for me to maintain. Mm. And after the first month, it really started to feel like a chore. Yeah. Um, actually, after the first two months. After the first month, I I kind of got hit with this a similar situation to stripping with the boundaries mm. because I realized that with OnlyFans, it was so different to stripping. I thought I'd be so good at it because I was like, I've been stripping for so long. Mm. I'll know how to talk to these people. I know how to, you know, hustle money. I know how to mm. have this sort of transaction. But the difference is... You don't get the face-to-face interaction of of gauging the transaction, mm. you know? Of course, you don't, yeah. You don't get that. It's so disconnected. You're literally, like, making the content. Someone on the other side of the screen is like, yes, hot, sexy, show me more, you mm. know? Like, they're, you just don't know who it is. You don't know who it is. You don't know... You don't know. You just yeah. don't know. You don't know who you're sending this content to. Mm. You also don't know how to gauge if someone is like interested or not, or if someone is, yeah, there's just so much disconnect. And Mm. I think for me, I'm, I'm a very central person in all aspects. So I like that face to face interaction and connection, even if it is transactional. Mm. So I found it really hard to have that disconnected experience Mm. of doing this type of sexual content. Yeah. So it became really hard for me. And then I also started struggling with how to like set my boundaries in that space. Yeah. Which was so interesting for me. Cause I was like, I've gotten so good at this, but now I'm at a space where it's completely new to me. And I don't know how to say, no, I don't want to film that mm. without. Yeah. Without feeling like I'm going to lose a subscriber. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I started asking my friends all these questions being like, you know, how much do you charge for this? Like, what do you say when people say this? Like, I felt like I was starting, felt like I was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> so unaware of, of what to do in the situation. Mm. And then after a while, like, I really learned the exact same thing I learned with stripping was like, oh, wait, this is my space. This is completely my space. Yes. I make the rules here. Mm-hmm. I will show you my tits if I want to show you my tits. And I won't film that if I don't want to film that. Yes. Like, that's all it is. Mm. But for some reason, I got so caught up in the new the new type of platform I was on. And I think got a little bit, like, thrown off by the disconnection yeah. that I was having. That I, that I just didn't know how to set those boundaries again from behind a screen. Mm. So I did kind of struggle with that at the beginning. And there was one moment where I like filmed something and I sent it out and then I instantly felt bad. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Mm. This is very interesting. I instantly felt a lot of fear where I, yeah, I was scared that whoever the people who were going to see it were either going to like record it and like, you know, it was going to get leaked. And then I was just, I, yeah, I did instantly feel a little bit scared and I Mm. thought that was very interesting because I had never really felt that in a long time or Mm. really before. So I just tried to sit with it and then figure out where it was sort of stemming from and then got back into my, okay, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Feeling. Yeah. Um, But then, yeah, after those two months, I think because I took a little step back from it feeling 
a little confused about how to set those boundaries or like how I wanted to actually portray myself on the platform. Mm. I was really unsure about it Mm. because there was a part of me that just wanted to do a specific thing. But for some reason, I was really scared that it wasn't going to make me money. So I took a step back. And then after those two months, it started feeling, yeah, like a chore. And like, I didn't, I didn't feel the enjoyment of taking nude photos of myself or filming myself doing mm. things or yeah, I, I, I didn't really feel the enjoyment of it anymore. And I didn't like that feeling. Mm. I didn't like that feeling of not feeling enjoyment in the thing I love doing. Yeah. So I thought to myself, okay, it's time to take another step back. Mm. So yeah, I, I pretty much did it properly for two months and then like trickled, trickled through it a little bit for the next few months and then just stopped. Yeah. And so now I don't actually do it anymore. And Mm. I thought, I keep thinking maybe I'll restart it like a little bit later when I actually have the capacity to to put the energy and effort into it. But at this stage, I just don't want, I don't want to have that feeling again Mm. of feeling like I'm putting in effort that I actually don't want to put in. Yeah. For something that I want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. Like, I think also so valid that you would feel that fear, especially with like your acting yeah. work and and like really like understandable that like, you know, that that would be like, oh my God, shit, this is actually like, mm. I filmed this, there is potential for this to go anywhere and mm. everywhere. And like, am I comfortable with that? And then like noticing that, well, actually that's like sucking my energy. Yeah. And I think it's really intuitive and amazing that you've sort of followed that and like realized, okay, maybe I'm not being energized by this and mm. other things are energizing me and following them and knowing that you'll come back to that when it feels right for you, if yeah. it feels right for you. Yeah, and I think that was really important for me to do because it was a moment I really listened to myself and rather than, like, f- forcing myself to continue in something, yeah, you know? And when I was clocking that moment of fear, I was, I was trying to figure out where it was stemming from and, you know, there was all these little things in my mind that was pulling me back into that mindset. Mm. And it's, it's crazy because there's this massive part of me that just wants my sexual bad bitch self to thrive and to like shine through. And I can feel it. It's like, I want Mm. it. I want that so bad. And I'm like, I know the power I have. I know Mm. who I am. I know what I want to be. I know what I'm, I know what I'm, you know, pushing outwards. Yes. But there's heaps of tiny, tiny, tiny little things that's in the back of my mind. That's like just kind of slowly, slowly pulling me back sometimes Mm. and it's like the aspect of my career path yeah (laughs) it's like my career path slightly pulling me back like my family values (laughs) if my if my mommy and daddy were to find out about (laughs) this (laughs) yeah you know like all my south african family (laughs) any any black people out there will understand Mm. (laughs) you know and like the way i grew up and It's just like all these tiny little aspects I can just feel in the back of my head is like pulling me back of fully shining through as this person that I want to be, which sucks. It's so annoying that, you know, naturally we, it's like we can feel ourselves wanting to do this thing, but there's all these external forces that are just sitting there on our minds being like, no, Mm -mm. (laughs) I don't think so, sweetie. (laughs) 
Come back here. <laughs> oh, God, they're annoying. I know. They? I'm like, get Societal out. Societal conditioning. Ew. <laughs> like, fuck Ew. I hate that. I know. Yeah. That was a thing that I was going to ask you next is like around your upbringing and around like, I guess like your schooling and what was what was being shared between your friends and mm. and sort of how you grew up mm. like what has the journey been to sort of discovering this like liberated like sexually free being that exists within inside of you sweetie <sighs> like how it's have you been, got there <laughs> it's been big like let yeah. me tell you it's been massive um gosh where do I even start <laughs> <laughs> I honestly feel like my sexual liberation journey has been massive. Mm. You know, I in South Africa, from the age of, you know, until I was eight, there was nothing introduced to me about sex and sexuality, like, at all. It's like the idea was so foreign to me that anything to do with something being sexual or intimate, it didn't click in my mind that that was that thing mm. like in my mind it was like this is just an action just this is just a normal action <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I am playing a game <laughs> you know like <laughs> yes. it just didn't it wasn't wired in my brain because you know culturally it was so taboo to talk about sex it was so yeah in South Africa is very like you know there's a big community that's very religious and like my uncle was like a pastor and like my whole family's Christian and mm. yeah. So it's like not talked about. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to New Zealand and I, my, in, in my first school, like my first week there, the kids were like, we're going to play kiss tag. I was like, what's that? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what's that? <laughs> and they were like, it's when you, ta- if, if you get tagged, you have to kiss the person. And I was like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> Petrifying. <laughs> Literally, I was so afraid. Aww. Literally, like, shaking in my wee little nine-year-old boots. Yeah. <laughs> so I was so scared. It, like, freaked me out. And that really mm. made me go inwards as a person. As a child, I went completely inwards because I was just so fearful. And all these all these nine-year-olds were so aware of kissing and mm. about and touching and genitals and mm. I was like, huh? <laughs> what is this? No one told me about this, you guys. <laughs> Can you explain? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that, it was all so new to me, and it actually made me really scared. And um, even in my sort of home life, you know, it's not my – I don't blame my parents at all for this because I think it's based on their upbringing and, mm. you know, what they wanted for me as a as their child. But mm. they also never – they never told me anything. Mm. It's like – even to do with periods or natural bodily functions or like sexuality or sex or pregnancy or anything. Mm. It was like nothing. I knew nothing. And it was not even explained to me. And it got, it got to the point where I was so scared to ask about it. Like I got in trouble for saying the word horny once. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I said horny and my mum yelled at me. <laughs> what context was it in? Uh, <laughs> mum, I'm horny. <laughs> I wish, I actually wish it was me saying, Mum, I'm, I'm horny. I wish it was. But I think my dad was saying something like, just kind of flirty to my mum. And I just said, Dad, stop being horny for mum. 
<laughs> at the age of like 12. Oh. And my mum was like, what? How dare you? Yeah, she was like, don't you ever say that again. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <sighs> so... Yeah, anything like sexual was just like, no, 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 no. And like my mom would constantly have conversations with me. It's because, you know, she had her own trauma of growing up. So I understand it now at my big age. But at the time I was like, it was hard. It was Mm. hard to grow up like this. Mm. But she would constantly have conversations with me being like, you know, I hope you're not sexually active. Like she would tell me stories of like why she, why it ruined her life. And like Mm. pretty much like, telling me that like sex and all all the aspects around it was horrible and something that was going to ruin my life mm. and something that was going to be painful and um just not a good experience mm. so my you know automatically in my brain you know as a young child I, my connection to sex and intimacy and anything sexuality was negative mm. so my whole body towards it was completely closed off. You know, she just wanted me to be focused on my school and and myself and making sure that I did well for myself and did the things that I wanted to do. But in the process of that, you know, I was now creating this negative relation to sex and intimacy. Mm, mm. And then I also had just like a horrible time in high school because I felt so different, Mm. you know, like I at the time wasn't the beauty standard at all. So I was also one of the three black people in my school, essentially. So Mm. I felt really different and I felt really ugly and no boys or people at the time really liked me Mm. at all. So I was kind of that person in high school that was like the funny girl that everyone was friends with, but like... You know, no one was interested in me at all. So I never, I went through high school pretty much not doing anything sexual at all. Wow. Yeah. Like I, it was not something on my mind because my idea of it was my, my connection to it was fear and Mm. negativity. So all my friends had boyfriends and they would like have these conversations with me being like, I did this with this guy on the weekend. And, you know, they were talking about things like poking and stuff. And Mm. I was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) What's poking? (laughs) (laughs) Also, why do we call it poking? It's such a fucked up word for it. But that's actually, I was like. I'm like, that doesn't sound pleasing. So-and-so poked me on the weekend. I know. Ew. <laughs> Why do they do that? Are you okay? <laughs> anyway, so they were like, you know, telling me all these stories and like they were all already having sex and stuff. And and I was so curious because I wasn't getting any of this information at home. So I would be like, what's it like? Like, what what did it feel like? What's that? You know, mm. I, was, I was so curious. So I was asking them in depth all these questions. And, but the only thing that stayed on my mind was the pain. Mm. They'd be like, it really hurt. And that was the only thing that got attached to my mind was that it was supposed to be sore and painful mm. and not a good experience the first time. And so I was like, oh, God, I'm never doing it. <laughs> no one's ever going there. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so I didn't really have a big, I didn't have a big, like, connection with myself or my intimacy or my sexual life or anything around that, like, all growing up. And when I left high school, 
It wasn't until I was 19. 19 years old, a big year for me. Mm. A lot of firsts, you guys. Mm. <laughs> I did a lot of things for the first time. Wow. Yeah, it was a, it was a big year for me because I feel like I finally left a lot of ideas I had behind. So, you know, I moved out of home for the first time. I got my first boyfriend. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, started drama school and like all these things were really, really new for me. And I think I just got exposed and opened to a whole new different environment which really opened up my mind and my thoughts to things mm. um, in terms of sex and sexuality. And, and that was also the year I started stripping. Mm. So, yeah, I think when I turned 18 and when I left school, I don't know what happened. That year of being 18, something just changed. I think it was because I was out of the environment of high school where people were being horrible to me. Yeah. And I was just, like, working in this, like, really hip store at the time. I don't know if anyone remembers Wild Pear. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wild Pear. Do you remember that? Fuck yes. I used to work there. So I got a job Amazing. at Wild Pear. Yeah. <laughs> and when I was 18. And How something. How was Wild Pear? I know. I know. <laughs> Literally, that was the store. If you were, like, in high school or, like, 18 years old and up and you yes. needed an outfit for the weekend. <laughs> For like an 18th birthday or for like town, you would go to Wild Pear. <laughs> so I worked there and my manager and like the people I worked with, they were just like so expressive and they talked about sex all the time and they were really dirty. And like the words they used were so new to me. They were like vulgar and like mm. they were saying things like it was just so it was so abrasive and so naughty, you yeah. know, like it was yeah. so new to me. And I was just like. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. Did you say cunt? Yeah. Did you just say, you fuck? Just say fuck cunt, bitch, whore? Did I, you just say poke? <laughs> I, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> oh, I like this. Oh, yes. And it was just, it was so, you know, and they were saying things to me like, yeah, you're fucking sexy. You're a bad bitch. You know, like they were saying all these things that were like, oh, this feels nice. Mm. This feels cool. And I also had never, ever worn my like natural hair out before. Like I was always was so you know I was always trying to be like everyone else and they also like sort of provoked me to wear my curls out mm -hmm. and during that year I just changed like they really helped me grow into this different person I became so independent mm. I really like kind of fell into myself a little bit and into my confidence a lot more just being out of the environment of high school and like you know finding this new group of people that were just a little bit more empowering mm. And, you know, I still had a long way to go, but I just had I'd done a lot better than high school. Mm. And so once I'd gone to that point, yeah, I, I got a boyfriend and I moved out of home. I started drama school. And then because I was like, yeah, a lot more comfortable, I started stripping. And then that's kind of where everything wow. just unfolded. It's like it's like my little sexual deviant being that was hiding in my little pel pelvic floor yes. was just like, let me out! <laughs> I just burst out oh, and yes. I was like oh oh okay okay people are looking at me you know like mm. once you have this confidence and once you start knowing who you are it's like people are noticing that mm. and you just uh, it feels uh, it felt so good it wow. felt so good Nin uh. being 19 was like just a massive year for me because I just I did all these things for the first time was having way more of these conversations like people were really noticing, I guess, my sensual nature. And they were like, you're so, it's like you you drive forward with your 
pelvis. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're, you yes. come into a room pussy first. And I was like, yeah, I do. I do walk around pussy first. <laughs> yes. Um, and it all sort of came from there. Like, I still had a lot of a lot of disconnection in terms of, like, sex mm. and, and intimacy. But I definitely had a lot more power with just myself generally and my confidence and, like, my you know, the the light that was sort of coming outwardly, that was a lot more powerful. Mm. And I think that just did a lot for my confidence. And then in terms of my sort of, yeah, the sexual liberation really came with that along along that journey. And then with the, the stripping, it just did so much for me. Mm. It honestly did so much. But it wasn't until, like, I had this massive disconnect with with sex and intimacy all through my first relationship, all through my second relationship. And it wasn't until that second relationship ended that I don't know what happened either. Like, it's like the universe was just clicking things for me Mm. and was like, okay, you're now at the next level of your journey. Time to level up, bitch. Wow. Time to step your pussy up. Do this thing now. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, like, it was so hard for me to have sex for my first two relationships. So hard for me. Mm. And I don't actually tell people this very often because, one, it's really none of their business. And mm. uh, <laughs> two, you know, I don't outwardly meet someone and be like, hey, this is the uh, trouble I had having sex from the age yeah. of until I was about 23. <laughs> We've done it now. Yeah. So honestly, that was from the age of 19 till about 23. Like I had two relationships mm-hmm. and f- through both of those, I had such a hard time. Mm with my sex and intimacy journey, which was really stunting my sexual liberation journey as well. Mm. It felt like it was stunting it because the entire time I thought something was wrong with me. Mm. I thought, like, mentally something was wrong and physically something was wrong with my body that I just could not properly have sex. Mm. Like, I just felt like I couldn't. And luckily the two people I was with, like, they were really patient and... You know, that was really a, gr- a good experience to have, to be with someone that was so patient. Mm. But it, it wasn't the person I was with that was giving me pressure. It was like the outside world over us all of a sudden. All my peers around me were like, why haven't you, why aren't you mm. sexual in terms of like actually physically why aren't you sexual I can tell your aura is and mm. like your your being is really sexual because I I was you know mm. but it's like they were confused about the fact that I physically wasn't as sexual as I looked mm. or, or I they were perceiving me as I just remember having this conversation in drama school like I'd only been with one person like my one boyfriend and I was having this conversation with this guy in my class. And I don't know how it got into this topic, but they were talking about how many people everyone had slept slept with. And there was only me and two guys. And they both said their number. You know, I don't really care. Body cunt doesn't matter to me. Yeah. But they were both saying their number. And then I was like, one. <laughs> and they just said to me, oh, fuck, that is so hot. That just makes you so much hotter. And I was like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. I know. They were like, that is so Hot. Like that, I'm so surprised. Like they were just so shocked. They were like, "I just can't believe that. Like that makes no sense to me. Like mm. how the fuck have you only slept with one person? Like you're so like you, you." And I was like, "Yeah, why? What the fuck? <laughs> like I yeah. was so like you know, 
I was so shocked that they were shocked, but I guess it's because they were perceiving me as this sexual being who outwardly was so, like, comfortable. Mm. But, you know, the physical side of my of my sexuality mm. was still so stunted. Yes. Um, and also really gross what they even said anyway, but um, mm. Mm. that's not the point. <laughs> well, that's not what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I just, my body was rejecting it so much because of the mindset I had growing up to do with sex that when mm. I would come to have it, my legs would start shaking and then mm. they would just, it's like I would just close them and like it would just, my whole bottom half would just tighten. Wow. Like I, that's that's how deep set the fear was. Yeah. And, you know, I've also, uh, also because of past trauma, yeah. trigger warning, mm-hmm. yeah, sexual assault trauma, mm. you know, like all of that tied into the way I was reacting to f- physical sex. Mm. And it was so hard for me because it's like I wanted to. I wanted to do this thing with the person that I loved Mm. But my body was just rejecting it. Like, I just couldn't. And I just genuinely thought something was wrong with me. Mm. It would, it affected my relationship so much, my relationship so much. Like, I I would, I was so fearful to even initiate anything Mm. because I would be like, well, I know I'm going to get to the point where there needs to be penetration and my body's going to shut off. Mm. So that happened, like, that happened pretty much through both of those relationships for four years straight essentially and like I still I got to the point where I could have sex with them but it was never an experience it was just not it wasn't a good experience Mm. it wasn't what I even wanted it to be it was Mm. like I was forcing it because I was like I need to be doing this and it was always sort of like one way or like I just it just didn't feel right I didn't feel my body I didn't feel like I was it was always painful, always. Like, I was always in pain. Mm. It was always for the shortest amount of time because I just had to stop. Like, I just couldn't... I pretty much just couldn't have sex in both of my first two relationships. And then slowly, at the end of the second one, I think I... I don't know what was changing in me, but, like, I started, like, relaxing a little bit with the person that I was with and things got a little bit better. But then as soon as I was discovering that part of myself, he moved away. So, mm. yeah. And then when I exited that relationship, my two, my two two-year relationships, I, I also, honestly, things just be clicking in my brain and I don't know why. I don't know what it is about, about these moments, but something just switched in me after mm. that second relationship. Wow. And there was one night, I it's like I was feeling it maybe from the universe, I don't know, but one night I felt just this eruption of spontaneity. Wow. Yeah, it was like I honestly was just feeling so spontaneous and someone DM'd me and was like, what are you doing tonight? Can I buy you a drink? And I just literally was like, yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, I I just said yes. Yeah, it just, just came out. I just said yes. Wow. And I was just following these random little spurges of of of, of spontaneity Amazing. that I was having. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna follow this feeling. Mm. And I, I don't not wanna do it. I'm just gonna follow this feeling of of saying yes to some things that scare me a little bit. And so I went for a drink with this person. Then he was like to me, Do you wanna go get high? I was like, Yes. 
Yes, I do. Absolutely. I would love to. And then he was like, let's go to my house. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I felt completely safe. Like, I knew this person. And then I had my first one night stand. <laughs> yes. It, like, first ever. And it was still, like, slightly, like, painful for me. Like, I didn't feel completely free, but I also felt a certain sense of freedom that I've never felt before, Mm. like, ever. So I was really relishing in the moment. And I remember when, like, you know, we were both lying in bed and this person was sleeping. I was just lying there smiling because I was like, holy fuck, I've literally just overcome one part of my trauma that I had been de- dealing with, like, my whole entire life. Like, mm. I could not stop smiling. Wow. And even though, you know, it wasn't it wasn't fully the type of experience I wanted to have, it was still a step forward to something that I was really trying to do for myself, mm. like, just feeling sexually free and also just feeling like I could let go and not feel the immense pain I was feeling in my lower half, you mm. know? And then... It's like the hoe in me just got unleashed because I I, I just got so excited. <laughs> I just got so excited that I was like, oh my gosh, I can fuck. I can have sex. Oh. I'm yelling. I'm oh, so- yeah, please yell. <laughs> scream it. Scream it to the rooftops. I was like, yeah. Could it be no? <laughs> I got so excited. So I started fucking and sucking like nobody's business. <laughs> Honestly, my friends were like, you are crazy. And I was like, I am. I am crazy, but I'm free. (laughs) And so I just started like having lots of sex because I was just so excited that I could finally do it. So I definitely hypersexualized myself for a good year (laughs) because I was just so, uh, I was, I was so happy at the fact that my body wasn't reacting in this Mm. negative way to it. And, you know, I wouldn't, I never regret that journey that I had, like, being a hoe for a good year. I love it. <laughs> I don't I regret it. That yeah. I do. I honestly, I, I celebrate really it celebrate so much. That's I think incredible. about it now and I'm like, okay, a lot of those experiences, I'm like, you didn't deserve me. You didn't deserve me. You mm. didn't deserve me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't regret it because it mm. did so much for me sexually and in terms of my sexual liberation, you know, it did so much for me. I really learned about my boundaries I learned about like what I want sexually what Mm. I deserve sexually I just fell deeper into my like sexual nature and my sexual freedom Mm. and my myself as a sexual being and I don't know how it happened it's it's literally like a switch just turned on inside of me after coming out of this relationship maybe it was it could have really been the pressure like taking away the pressure of actually having to have sex with someone because you're in a relationship. Yeah. It might have been like, yeah, like this pressure was lifted on and I just felt like I could just freely be my sexual self and then and then follow the instinct when I felt it mm. rather than feeling the pressure of being like, I must have sex because that's what you do in a relationship. Mm. So, yeah, I honestly feel like it, it could have been that release of pressure on myself. Um, but it was amazing. I spent, yeah, a good eight months just being a complete hoe and loving life. And then I had to slow it down at one point because I got chlamydia. <laughs> You're like, oh, 
<laughs> I was the like, universe telling oh. me now. Okay, slow down. <laughs> we take a break. Look, I in one month, in a whole month, I had chlamydia, yeast infection, and BV, <laughs> which all I'd never had before. I'd never had yeast infection. I'd never had BV, and I'd never had chlamydia. Mm, yeah. And it all happened in a month. And I thought to myself, okay, sweetie, okay, your your coochie is saying. Reel it in, bitch. <laughs> Slow it down. In. We're we having fun, back. but you need to chill yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after that, I just like slowed it down a bit, and then I met someone. I did a show. Mm. I did a theater show. And any people, any actors out there who do theater, y'all know that when you're doing a, sh- a theater show, you become very close with the people on that show very mm. fast, and. It becomes a small little family that becomes very ancestral. You Mm. know, everyone's fucking everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone. Yeah. And, you know, uh, along my, me growing up, like I um, always had this, this maybe idea in the back of my mind that I was attracted to women. But it was so taboo to me as well because of my religious upbringing. You know, I was mm. Christian until I was nineteen, uh, until I was eighteen, and then I decided to stop going to church, and you know, decided to just break out of that. Mm. And even when I was in drama school, like I would tell my friends, like, "Oh, I don't know. Like, I've never been with a woman. I don't know, but I am. I'm really attracted to them." And all I watched was lesbian porn. <laughs> <laughs> All I enjoyed <laughs> were women. <laughs> yeah. So I be knowing deep down. <laughs> yes, it was just waiting to be unleashed. It was just waiting to be unleashed, but mm. I just never felt like I could, I just for some reason never felt like I could call myself queer because I never had it confirmed for myself in some way because mm. I just, in the back of my mind was like, can I date a woman? I don't know. Mm. But then, yeah, I did this drama show and I met this person who at the time identified as a woman at the time I met them. And it was another universal thing where I was like drawn to this person. I was like, wow, wow, I am so attracted to this person, mm. like so attracted to them. Um, And I just had this like urge to just be around them all the time and I had a really big crush I had like a massive crush but I was just too nervous and then on the opening night of the show one of the cast people came up to me and said oh someone has a crush on you and I was like who and they were like this person I'm not gonna name them (laughs) let's just call them Anon (laughs) Anon Anon they were like Anon has a crush on you and I was like what (gasps) I was like really And I was like, what do I do? I'm so nervous. I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm really nervous. I don't know what to do. And they were mm-hmm. like, just talk to them. Just like, just have a conversation. There's no pressure. And so I, and so they came up to me and they were like, I have a crush on you. And I was like, same. <laughs> I was oh. like, yeah, me too. And then I f- just fully expressed to them. I was like, you know, which is, this has never happened to me. I was, I said to them, this is so new to me. I've never been with someone who has female genitalia mm-hmm. I'm really nervous I am very scared but I, I do have a crush on you and they were like that's okay we don't have to do anything we can just hang out like we can just talk we can mm. just like 
watch a movie, like it can be very chill. Hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. This, there's no pressure. That's Beautiful. how it began. I know. It was mm. amazing. And I was like, wow, okay. Entering something that is not pressurized felt so good that I mm. felt so comfortable comfortable to be like, yeah, okay, let's go. So mm. I went back to their place and, like, you know, we did just talk for hours, for hours and hours and hours. And then it just naturally progressed into us having sex. Mm. And... And then I had my first taste of pussy and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, this makes sense. I am queer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But it was honestly another moment where I just couldn't stop smiling. Mm. I was just like, oh gosh, another part of my life has just been confirmed. Mm. And it felt so good. Like it felt so good. Oh. And then, yeah, we started kind of seeing each other for a while and, um, uh, and, you know, th- th- that was a really big thing for me. They now identify as non-binary. So um, it was it was really new. The whole, ex- the whole thing of dating mm. this person was so new to me and I was trying so hard to figure out how to navigate it and, you know, navigate this new feeling I was having. And um, I had also been in an open relationship with my past partner, so this dating thing we were entering was also open. And then mm. at the same time, another person came along, this guy came along who it was the first time I had had a sexual experience that felt so horny. Mm. <laughs> that felt so pleasurable for me also. And I think it was because I'd had this experience with this person during mm. the theater show. Mm. You know, so I really knew what I wanted and I knew what I, I knew how to approach another sexual encounter that I had. Because, you know, I took a break from being a hoe. I took some time off. (laughs) And then again, it was game time, bitches. (laughs) So I was kind of like seeing these two people, like I wasn't in a full relationship, but I was like, you know, seeing these two people and then it got, you know, a little bit complicated and (laughs) yeah, yeah. anyway, it's Mm. not about that, but Mm. From that moment onwards, I just, again, felt like I fell even deeper into my, into exploring my sexual sexuality and my sexual liberation journey and my mm. sexual power that I held and, and just the power of, of, of what I wanted and being who I was and finally realizing it a bit more mm. just felt so... Oh, it felt so good. <laughs> it felt so good. Oh my god! And ah, uh, yeah. I just kind of, I can't even explain the happiness that that it felt to feel so confirmed for me. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm so thankful of of both of those experiences because mm. they taught me so much. And I ended up dating the guy um, for a whole, pretty much, year after mm. that. And that was my most recent relationship. Wow. So that was last year. So wow. I know that's who we're up to now, kind of. And now I am single and I, you know, like even after all that sexual liberation, the thing that sometimes you can forget is there's all this other work you still have to continue Mm. to do. Mm. It's not just because you become the sexual liberated person that you're just going to forget about actually all the, trauma mm-hmm. that you left back there yeah you know like you've had all this sexual growth 
but there's this backlog of trauma from when you were uh, <laughs> six years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that just comes out slowly, you know, mm. and starts affecting your life and your relationships and you're like, oh, okay, this is bleeding into this now and mm. it's kind of another factor I have to figure out how to work with yeah. you know not just overcome because you can't really do that it's always going to be with you you just have to figure mm. out how how to work with it yeah. and to take care of yourself mm. so I started going to therapy amazing <laughs> amazing amazing everyone should go to therapy everyone needs therapy uh, yes <laughs> fuck yes yeah so I started going to therapy and that was just the most amazing thing ever mm. and it's been the most helpful thing ever as well to continue the journey, you know, of growth and healing mm. and mm. liberation. And now I am, now I am who I am today because of all of that shit, like all of that stuff that just I went through in my life. I am now the bad bitch I am today. Fuck. <laughs> Oh my god, Ash! I'm like, I've had so many bodily reactions listening to your story and like your journey, and like it's yeah, it's really made me feel a fuckload. And I'm sure everyone listening is going to be like deeply like moved and transformed Honestly. by your vulnerability and your sharing. And I really <laughs> I can, am grateful. I can talk about it for hours because oh. I feel like there's so much information, you know. But I've been trying really hard not to babble. <laughs> you have. This has been concise and absolutely wonderful. And I've I could literally sit here with you for like the entirety of the day oh, and never stop talking about it. But we, it's a podcast. We've got to keep it concise. I know. I know. So I do have one, two, actually two more questions. Yes, for you. please, please. The next one is from this like wild ride that you have been yeah. on over this last twenty five years. If I got that right, Honestly, twenty. I'm twenty six. Twenty six yeah. years yeah. of existence. <laughs> <laughs> what would you tell from where you're standing now yeah. as this fucking liberated? goddess before me what would you say to your younger younger self self? yeah felt that coming yeah um (laughs) there's probably a few things Mm. and they relate to all the different aspects I think I went through Mm. and one of those things would be stop trying to be like everyone else they're already trying to be like you Mm. (laughs) period (laughs) honestly if I could tell my 15 year old self to be like stop trying so hard to be white to be like everyone else because let me just tell you in a few years time these bitches are gonna want everything you have and it has been the case so (laughs) and I wish I could really I wish I could tell myself that I am just completely enough as I am Mm. and deserving of everything that just comes to me And I also wish I could tell myself that I just, I wish I could say, bitch, you have no idea the power that you have and that you're going to have on yourself, on your environment, Mm. on people around you. Uh, If she knew, if Lil Ashwe knew, shit. (laughs) I also really, really wish that I could, tell my younger self that there's nothing in this world that matters more than your happiness Mm. than doing the things that you want to do because 
there's just no point in caring what I, what other people think. Mm. There's no point. Mm. It's not going to do anything for you, sweetie. Mm. Anything but hold you back mm. from your full potential, mm. which is immense. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> immense yeah <sighs> yeah i think i've said fuck and yes in this podcast approximately one million trillion times drinking game <laughs> take a shot every time we say fuck bitch <laughs> uh bad bitch yes. <laughs> Ho. i'll put that at the front of the podcast yeah. okay <laughs> and finally the last question yes the most important question mm-hmm. of all ash what is your favorite finger food Ooh. <laughs> I should have been thinking about this the whole time I was talking. <laughs> okay. I eat most things with my hands because Stunning. I'm a dirty, dirty bitch. Stunning. Um, But there's, you know, there's nothing better than eating fruit mm. with your hands, especially the juicy ones. It's, there's something so horny and sexual about eating a juicy mango mm. and it's just dripping all over your fingers. Oh. Because it's just, ah, it's like you are, yeah, it's delectable, you Mm. know? That's a great way to describe it. Yes. Delectable, juicy mango. Delectable, juicy juicy mangoes. (laughs) I love eating fruit with my hands. It's Mm. just juicy, it's dirty, it's naughty, it is yum. I mean, that's how I met you on shoot when you had juicy fruit in your hand and I was like, can I pour more syrup on that? (laughs) Would you like more syrup? Please do. (laughs) Please pour the syrup. Fuck yes. Okay, well. We're going to wrap it up, but thank oh, you so much for your you. time and your energy <laughs> and your existence on this planet. Thank you for having me. I am here to exist and be a bad bitch. So. Fuck yes. And so are all of you. Oh. <laughs> Amen to that. Go and shake your titties in the mirror and be a bad bitch, please, for me. Film it. <laughs> Film it and send it to yourself. Yes. So much, Ash. No worries. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. I love talking. <laughs> Thanks for dining with Finger Food, empowered by Bumble. If you liked this conversation, you can tip your maitre d' by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to find more of my podcasts, go to stacyogorman.com. Stay safe, stay sexy. See you soon. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 